0: It happens inside the computer, in a dimension man has never
1: seen. Kevin Flynn, computer genius, is programmed into the world of the computer. (laughs) Held prisoner in an electronic arena, where love and escape do not compute. Tron, an adventure inside the
0: computer, rated PG. Coming soon to a theater near you. Alan Rickman's not in this movie.
1: Yeah, I'm a fucking dummy.
0: Radio Drome Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me as always is the one, the only Cecil T robot. Yes. Short and to the point, I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, I got nothing.
0: And I think Peter overslept because he said he'd be here, but he has he is not yet, so maybe Peter shows up later. We shall see. If you guys want to help out the show. Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. And remember, you can also help out on Patreon as well. You know, if everybody who listened to the show donated $1, we could actually make some improvements on this show. Isn't it funny how that works, Cecil?
1: Yeah, you know, well, it's, it's get it, yo, know, it's getting people to convince them to give up that buck.
0: What we're gonna talk about is a company that could not make a buck at a certain period. Now, we all know when you say Disney, everyone's like, oh my god, it's this giant, one of the biggest media corporations out there, they own everything, they can do no wrong. A lot of people seem to forget they had a period of about seven years where they could do no wrong. Right. Right after Star Wars from about 1977 to 1985, nothing Disney did worked. They had bomb after bomb after bomb. Every single thing that they tried failed hard to the point where the company almost went under in this day and age cecil isn't it weird to think disney almost went under as recently as the late 70s
1: it's hilarious because of how much of a media conglomerate they are now when you tell people that it's like yeah they they almost went under no they didn't yeah they they really did and it's kind of a shame because while i like some of the product that disney is uh putting out now the stuff that they did back then it deserved better it uh it was um it was risky and it was good but like no for whatever reason i've I've got all
0: the reasons i'll get into those when we get to them
1: okay well i'm saying for whatever reasons it just uh they didn't uh get the attention that they should have gotten
0: well this actually goes back to the early 70s walt disney had died roy disney had taken over and then roy disney had died in the early 70s the company was then taken by a man by a man named ron miller now ron miller was walt disney's son-in-law he was a former football player they were offered star wars that was one of the first places george lucas took it because he always said star wars is a disney movie at its heart Of course, they turned it down, and we all know 20th Century Fox ended up getting it, which is ironic in retrospect, since they now make their living off of Star Wars. In 1976, when it was brought to them, they did not want Star Wars. After Star Wars hit, Disney was in a bad, bad position, because... As we've talked about before, Star Wars changed everything. Now all of a sudden, and I'm, I'm going to include 1979 as when Disney really started to fall apart, most of their 1978 features were already in production pre-Star Wars. In a, in a post-Star Wars world, Cat from Outer Space, the North Avenue Irregulars... The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again, The Unidentified Flying Oddball, those really aren't box office, you know, big box office mainstream hits anymore, are they, in a post-Star Wars world?
1: B.S. Come on, the Cat from Outer Space is fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's why it made no money.
1: Uh, I own it.
0: The audiences saw Disney as being completely out of touch with their audience now. That, like, Disney's still making these kind of movies. We're in a Star Wars world. We're in a Jaws world now. Disney, under Ron Miller, he he decided Disney was going to go more adult. Now, I'm going to be using the word adult a lot in this. I need to qualify that. I don't mean adult in all of a sudden they're going to be making Dirty hairy movies. All of a sudden there's going to be tits and swears and gore scenes in their movies. They meant adult as for an adult audience. Pictures that were aimed above children. So we're not talking gore. We're not talking blood. And that this is the way a lot of the trade papers at the time put it. That Disney is betraying their child audience. And that all of a sudden they're going to start adding swears and making Clint Eastwood movies. And that was, I think that hurt them right off the bat. They just made one bad move after another. We're going to gloss over some of the films in this era, because some of them are completely unremarkable. There, I'm going to say this era really begins on December 21st, 1979. They released The Black Hole, a.k.a. Disney's Star Wars. While the film technically made a profit, with all of the back end, it still lost money, and they never really recovered.
1: It's a shame because the black hole is visually stunning and it's very clever and creative. Just deserve better. I think that what happened was kind of in a similar vein to what was happening with Nintendo. When Nintendo would put out, you know, an M-rated game, you would get a combination of people that would say, you know, oh, they're betraying their audience, and then you would also get uh, the people that uh, would not buy it because oh, well, it's going to be watered down or I don't want an M-rated game on my Nintendo, so you have a combo of them trying to appeal to a broader audience, but then you have other people that just will not support them you know no matter what they did unless they did something that was uh you know kid friendly so i think that was the the general consensus was that they saw this as a a star wars knockoff when really let's be honest there was a lot of star wars knockoffs at the time right
0: i think the black hole was a little more personal because the fact that they were offered star wars said no and then star wars makes 400 million dollars at the box office i think they were like listen god damn it Disney gets its own Star Wars. We are going to make up for this. And the Black Hole was not really the right project for this, because just like you said, people didn't want an M-rated game on Nintendo. People did not want a PG-rated Black Hole. Now, PG-13 doesn't exist yet. The scene everybody points out, and all the critics pointed out, and just how not Disney this felt, was when Anthony Perkins gets killed by Maximilian with the, the blade through the back of the chair. I mean, it's not graphic in a blood way, That scene stuck with me as a kid. I remember that scene creeped me the f*** out when I was a kid.
1: The big thing that always stuck with me was when Maximilian ripped his eyes out and then used his eyes. Like that, it's just it's so ridiculous and like it doesn't even make sense but it's terrifying and I, I, there's
0: other aspects of the black hole that are terrifying the whole when when the when the chick is on the table and they're going to like the, that laser is going to like turn her into one of the robots that's then you have the whole theme of becoming a mindless automaton and being lobotomized it's this is a creepy creepy movie and you can in a way see why people went how is this a disney film
1: yeah it just it, it kind of goes to show like what uh, people were willing to accept at the time. And uh unfortunately, they should have because I I would have liked I mean, you know, I mean, who's to say if they would have accepted it, if they Disney would have ended up being the powerhouse that they are today. But uh, it's a shame because there's such a limited quantity of these movies, but uh, there a lot of them are very good and they deserve better. And this was one I thought really deserved better. It's not even on Blu-ray for crying out loud. I mean, it's, and the DVD is very, very not, not the best transfer. Like, I mean, that is a beautiful movie that would look amazing on Blu-ray. They just, you know, Disney is kind of forgetting their roots. They, they want to forget their roots because that was, uh, oh, that was the Disney that, that we almost, you know, we almost went out of business. Well, you know, don't, don't completely throw your history out of, the, out the window.
0: Well, I'll get into this a little bit more later, but there was kind of a civil war going on within Disney. You had one of the executives, Esmond Carden Walker who was an old-school executive under the the actual Disney people, and he was clashing with Miller constantly. He hated the idea of going for an adult audience. He, he thought they were betraying their child audience, and he thought making more serious adult-oriented movies would tarnish the image of, of everything Walt and Roy Disney had built. This comes to a head later on. Right now, Disney also is, for some reason, making their own competition. I don't know if this was... Miller's intent. Throughout this whole period, Disney would release two movies on the same day, basically competing against themselves. For instance, The Black Hole came out on December 21st, 1979. Disney also released The Adult. It's a spy thriller called The London Connection on December 21st, 1979. Nowadays, people might go, what's the big deal? You have multiplexes. Not that. Not back then you didn't. Back then, at best, a town, unless you're talking New York, Chicago, something like that, at best, you had two screens. So Disney, it was not the smartest move to release two films from the same company to compete against each other so while miller had this idea of you know the post star wars world we need to we need to be speaking to the the people going to the star wars movies as we move into the 1980s you can really see this this philosophy take over in retrospect there's a lot of good movies that came out in this period but at the time nobody wanted these movies from disney as we go into right as we come into 1980 remember midnight madness with this then unknown actor named michael J. Fox
1: no actually
0: <laughs> this was the one with the scavenger hunt where a rich weird guy has them running all over los angeles to find all these things and they're in teams and stephen first from animal House is the you know they're the evil fat guy and all this you don't remember midnight madness
1: no I, oh, this I, I
0: don't played constantly on cable in the 80s i i watched midnight madness but nobody else did because it bombed there are two films in this era that people say are the most un-Disney Disney films ever. And the first one of those is 1980's The Watcher in the Woods. Now which, that I know. Which Miller said, this could be our exorcist. And that was probably not the right thing to say when people are already saying you are betraying your roots as Disney. But Watcher in the Woods, it's a very slow-paced, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's slow-paced, it's moody, it's atmospheric, it builds a, a, a building sense of dread.
1: It really doesn't feel like a Disney movie, does it? No, it really doesn't. Like, I wouldn't know that it was a Disney movie unless I saw that, you know, it was a Disney movie.
0: I have not seen it personally, but I saw a trailer last Halloween Lifetime made a remake of Watcher in the Woods. And the only thing I could say about that just from the trailer was they didn't seem to understand why Watcher in the Woods worked. The remake, again, just judging from the trailer, seems to be full of jump scares, quick cuts, murr, sound effects, and it just seems like you people have no idea why the 1980 film scared an entire generation. Seriously, you talk to anyone from my generation, Cecil, who saw this movie theatrically, this movie scared the shit out of us as kids.
1: I don't doubt it. It's It's a creepy movie, man.
0: I I guess I guess they, maybe this was already in production, Disney went back to their roots. Herbie Goes Bananas came out and is one of the only three films that they released in this whole period that made a profit. I don't know if that goes towards Walker's assertion that they shouldn't be betraying their roots or not. What does that say? Of the three financial successes they have out of 18 films, one of them is a traditional Disney film.
1: Herbie goes bananas, the one where it's the little kid and he calls him Ocho.
0: Might be. I haven't seen any of the Herbie movies since I was a little kid.
1: Cause it's the, that is the only Herbie movie that I've ever seen. So I, I believe that was Herbie goes bananas. And it actually, if, I mean, I haven't seen it in a very long time, but I remember it being like dumb and fun and I, you know i did not see the uh, the lindsay lohan one but uh, uh,
0: but uh, but my point is herbie goes bananas is what people would think a traditional disney film would be not watcher in the woods and midnight madness and things like that
1: well, I think, uh, in general, Disney maybe should have done what they later did, which was give themselves a degree of separation. They would put out horror movies and whatnot, but they would put them out under the divisions that they purchased. So it wouldn't but, but be none a None direct... of those existed yet. Well, that's what I'm saying. It would have, uh, I think that was what ended up, you know, making them more money later is cause they had, um, you know, they had a variety of films, but it was, wasn't under the Disney banner. It was under or one of their subsidiaries
0: and then Disney shot themselves in the foot again because Kirby Goes Bananas was released on June 25th 1980 so was Disney's The Last Flight of Noah's Ark I think their philosophy cuz Last Flight of Noah's Ark is more of an adult-oriented film. I think their philosophy was mom and dad go see F- Last Flight of Noah's Ark, the kids go see Herbie Goes Bananas, everybody's happy at the movies that night. Yeah, that's not how that worked back then.
1: Either that or flood the market.
0: That's which, a possibility too, but th- these are not exactly high-end titles we're talking about at this point.
1: No, but but you know, I mean, but that was back in a time when you could have a weird ball movie that would end up being, you know, number 1 of the box office that that didn't have you know a ton of money dumped into it so uh, i think it is very possible you know if they're like hey there's only two theaters in this neighborhood all right well we're gonna have one at one and one at the other and so it's like you know we're gonna you know in their mind maybe it was like we'll be number one at the box office and number two at the box office
0: but then they made they they had a, a partnership deal with paramount pictures they made two films with paramount and the first of those is one of their only other technical successes although since they only got half the profits, it still technically lost money for Disney. And that was the Robert Altman Popeye from 1980. I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, but I remember this movie sucked.
1: Oh, the, 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 the Robin Williams one? What's wrong with you? I, I said I haven't seen it since
0: I was a kid. I just remember not liking it then. Now I might go, this is brilliant. Then I hated it.
1: I have seen a handful of, of the cartoons, so I really didn't know See, I grew much grew up
0: on the cartoons.
1: Yeah, I didn't know much beyond just the basics and I mean they nailed it. I mean, they gave they gave Robin Williams the arms, he made the face, he like it was uh I've seen it uh, within the past 10 years or so and I still think it it holds up really well. It's a one of those movies that comes really close to being a live action cartoon. It's ludicrous. It just it's very goofy. I mean, they built that entire town for the movie. Uh, they put a lot of love and effort into it, and Robert uh,
0: Altman. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's. I think the the if even if you see it now, you even if you don't like it, I think you would respect the production value that they put into it. It is everything is just jumping off the screen at you.
0: And like I said, this is one of their few technical successes at the box office. But since they had to share everything with Paramount Pictures, the movie cost twenty million. It made 35, so when you have that, they still lost money. So again, Disney is in financial straits. Walker and Miller are constantly fighting over the direction of Disney. Miller is still on board. We need to be going after an older audience, a more sophisticated audience. Walker is saying, we need to get back to what Walt and Roy were doing. And that Civil War is going to come to a head in 1982, but we're not quite there yet. Then they release a couple of pictures nobody remembers that were both bombs. The Devil and Max Devlin, where Bill Cosby plays Satan. I don't know if we need to comment further on that.
1: I I remember that played on TV a lot.
0: Yeah, because it's basically Bill Cosby is Satan and he's trying to tempt Elliot Gould into selling him his soul. And it's a comedy. And again, people were going, this doesn't feel like a freaking Disney movie, you know?
1: Well, was that around the time when like God movies were popular? Like they yes, did oh God, yeah, the, the God. Old Gods,
0: and all that. Yeah, Holy Moses, and all that. Yeah.
1: Right. So I think that you know they were. I think they were. uh They were. Tra- you know, they were chasing trends.
0: Well, and then they also released the Jenny Agutter film Amy, which I don't know why they thought this would ever be a hit. It, it, I mean, it was only a small budgeted three million dollar film, but it still didn't even make back that. It's a period piece where she's a woman who leaves her husband and gets a job and helps teach blind kids you know those movies that are total hits at box offices right
1: <laughs> i i that's one i don't even know
0: then they came to the second half and the end of their paramount deal and they released a movie i know you can talk about probably the most un disney film ever dragon slayer this film <laughs> is so violent There's nudity in it. I can't believe... In fact, and this also is part of the war between Miller and Walker for the control of Disney, Walker actually was afraid, because again, PG-13 doesn't exist, that Dragon Slayer was going to get an R rating. And he said, there is no way Disney's releasing an R-rated film. That was almost Dragon Slayer.
1: Dragon Slayer is insane because while watching it, it's it's fairly you know it's violent. There's nudity, but the thing that really gets me is uh, the the Dragon Slayer goes to rescue the princess, and they're they're like, yeah, he oh, fails hard, and oh my god, does he? When he arrives, the dragon's babies are. Eating the princess And, and then I he don't, cuts their heads off And then he cuts their heads off But the one had her foot Hanging out of his And I'm talking Her dismembered foot Hanging out of his mouth And it's like Oh he's Oh Oh my god To me
0: there's one scene of violence Also involving the princess That's even worse I don't know why this affected me so hard When she's trying to get out of the chains And she is basically degloving her own hand Tearing her own skin off To get mm-hmm. the shackles off Oh my God! That just—I mean, even right now, it's making my wrists hurt thinking about that. That scene affected. Got to remember, I'm six years old when I'm seeing this in the theater, Cecil. That fucked me up just seeing her deglove her hands like that in a Disney film.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you're—you're you're thinking even now if you would watch it, you, you know, with the—the the notion of Disney being Disney, you're like, oh, Dragon Slayer—it's going to be kind of a whimsical. No, it's—it's it's dark and it's mean and it's it's a great movie it is a i mean the dragons look amazing the the the
0: effects are effects
1: beyond
0: top notch
1: yeah it, it is a excellent movie but it is the furthest thing from what you would be expecting
0: that's what critics said and the movie bombed it made 14 million dollars of its 18 million dollar budget back so again if you want to go financially because as we talked about last week with failing upwards miller does not have a great track record right now and so far walker looks like all of his decisions which we think are you know anti-quality and not wanting to take any chances financially by your decisions walker's the one who's right in all these cases isn't he
1: yeah i mean it it doesn't there are cases of where not quality doesn't always prevail
0: well and i I don't know if this was something that they would have done anyway or if this was walker winning a battle over miller but they have the last financial success of this era a traditional animated film in the fox and the hound which made a butt ton of money and might be the only reason that disney was able to stay afloat miller was not against fox and the hound but he thought it was taking them backwards because he still thought even though watcher in the woods and all this were not financial successes, they were gaining a reputation as Disney's not a place for just kids anymore. And he thought Fox and the Hound was a step back, not a step forward. But financially it was probably the step they needed.
1: Uh yeah. I mean uh and and on top of that it's Fox and the Hound is is a good, like cute movie. I think They they really there should have been a little bit more diversification. You know, I think like now there are a lot of companies where they will say, hey, you know, we've got, uh, you know, this kind of movie. We've got this kind of movie. I think audiences are are kind of weird in that aspect where they just expect something from one company just because that's what they've done in the past. But I think it should be okay. hey, we're a company put out animated films for children. And we're also going to put out, uh you know, you know, not not adult films but you know films that are films more cater toward, towards adults and i think it's just kind of ridiculous that it's always uh, you know it's it's one or the other and it's like well why not both
0: well but then the next movie that they released is a weird amalgamation of walker and miller's ideals 1981's condor man a spy thriller set in europe that's about a comic book artist creating a superhero costume and deciding to be a superhero So it's kind of, it's a kid's movie... But also, all the spy thriller stuff the kids aren't gonna get. Which is, which might be why Condor Man did not work at the, th- in the theaters in 81 is, it didn't know what it wanted to be. Personally, I watched the hell out of this movie on Disney Channel as a kid growing up. I loved Condor Man. I don't know if I got all the spy thriller stuff back then, but I loved this movie. But it's kinda schizophrenic in that it wants to be both a family movie, and a movie for adults at the same time. And you know how rarely that actually works.
1: It, uh, it's a very thin line to thread. You know, you can't make it. Usually it works better with like animated films and comedies because you can put slightly racy jokes in there or stuff that the adults are going to get that's going to fly over the kids heads but yeah with that kind of thing it's like you don't want to make it too kidsy but then you don't want to make it uh not kidsy enough because then it's not going to you know no one's going to like it
0: and then in 1982 we have night crossing a a movie made for adults about it's based on the true story of some east germans flying a a stolen balloon out of East Germany to escape communism, you know, for the kids. (laughs) And, of course, that didn't work. And then we come to what might be the movie that everybody knows from this era, Tron. Tron is a movie. It's not confirmed, but basically the general rule is Walker's attempted to sabotage this movie because how does a movie about video games from disney that's also an action sci-fi movie coming out right before return of the jedi at the height of the video game arcade craze bomb this hard because there was this thing going through disney and you can kind of go back if you go back and watch the trailers for all the movies we've talked about there was this conspiracy theory a lot of people in disney at the time suspected this there's been no proof of it but basically that walker was trying to wrestle control away from Miller. Of Disney, so he was intentionally trying to mismarket all of these movies so they would fail, so he would be able to prove that Miller was not suited to head Disney and that he, Walker, should take over. Go back and look at the trailers for Tron and Condor Man and Slayer, and Amy, Devil and Max Devlin, Watcher in the Woods, Midnight Madness, etc. They are god awful trailers. That's one of the things Disney was always so good at, marketing, right? Now all of a sudden In the era where Walker is the head of marketing, they can't get anything. Oh, look at that. Walker was trying a soft coup. It was intentional sabotage, and Tron was the head of that. Go watch the two Tron trailers. They are dreadful. You can see with those trailers why no one went to the theater to see Tron. They are god awful trailers, and that that stands for Watcher in the Woods in all of these movies. Do you think Walker was trying to sabotage? Because isn't it funny how as soon as Miller gets deposed, Disney's back on their game with marketing?
1: Yeah, it it does. I don't know whether it, he was or not, and. We probably never will know, but it is incredibly suspicious, especially because Tron, like you said, that was perfect timing. I mean, revolutionary. There's no effects. way this movie shouldn't have worked. There's, There's no way this movie. No shouldn't have way worked. that movie shouldn't have worked. That movie should have been a massive hit. And the thing is, the the simple fact that it has, you know, only grown in popularity over the years just kind of goes to show that it, it should have been a bigger hit at the time now granted there's been a lot of movies that have gained cult status but tron is something that has kind of entered the 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 database of you know of of geekdom you know it's it's oh my god tron you know it's i mean uh there are there was a that tv show chuck he had a tron poster in his room i mean it's it's entered major mainstream consciousness yeah tron should have been a, a juggernaut. And the fact that it wasn't is ridiculous. Because it's like, it's not it's not an overly complicated story. It's easy to follow. It's a little, you know, I mean, maybe for... Well, we're...
0: okay, maybe not. Because that was one of the complaints at the time, is if you were not into computers... And remember, at this point, people having a computer in your home was science fiction. Less than a percent of a percent of Americans had a computer in their home. And the movie uses a lot of computer terms... I remember some of the reviews at the time were, unless you are a computer nerd, a lot of this movie goes over your head. I actually think Tron, to a degree, was uh, too far ahead of its time. I think Tron assumed its audience was more computer literate than they were.
1: I don't know. I think that even still... I thought they did a pretty good job of kind of explaining what needed to be explained. You know, it didn't, it didn't go overboard with it, but it didn't, it it was just nice that a movie comes along once in a while that doesn't treat their audience like they're morons.
0: What I find the most amusing about Tron is the fact that it failed so hard then. Have you seen how modern Disney treats it? They treat it as like a benchmark in everything we did right. Isn't it funny how modern Disney embraced Tron, whereas 1982 Disney was almost embarrassed by it.
1: Well, you know, revisionist history and all that.
0: But with Tron, one of the things I I always loved about it. God, the visuals were so unique. There'd never been anything that looked like that on a theater screen before.
1: No, It uh, and it's funny because uh, there were a lot of people talking about, oh, it's computer effects, computer effects. It was yes, there were computer effects in the There's film. There's a lot
0: more practicals. A lot of the quote computer effects in the movie are actually hidden practicals.
1: Oh yeah, that that was the thing. It was like they they used practicals to make them look like computer effects, and just the the look of it was so unique and still like stands out it's just it's very visually stunning like it catches your attention with the with the blues and reds and it uh just the 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 way that they did it it's unique it's a it's a great i love tron
0: there are two images and ironically enough there are two images from the real world segments of tron that have always stuck out to me always the helicopter with the blue neon outlining it when it's landing at night, and that amazing desk David Warner has with all, with the keyboard that you know the the like almost holographic keyboard and everything in it. Mm-hmm. God, I want that desk, Cecil.
1: I was always uh as far you know, aside from the iconic shot of uh holding the disc up in the air that's on the poster, Flyn getting shot, like the overhead shot of him getting hit with the beam and getting like digitized into the computer is Uh, is just great like that is such a uh, it's such a good visual the whole movie is full of that though
0: the uh, the last irony about tron was it was not able to be nominated for a special effects oscar because the oscars said because some of it was computer generated that was considered cheating Oh, history! How ironic you are.
1: Oh boy, yeah. The, CGI
0: the... used to be not special effects,
1: and it's a shame because it's like some of the best visuals in the movie weren't the computer effects. Try explaining that to uh, you know the uh, the board.
0: Well, and then Disney just could not recover from this, so then they made a film called Tex, A Coming-of-Age Tale of Two Brothers. No one cared. They made a spy thriller comedy. Remember, spy thrillers, I, I know we've said that word a bunch tonight. Spy thrillers were a big thing in this era. You gotta remember, this is the this is the height of the Cold War here. European spy thrillers were a big, big draw at the box office, except when Disney did them in the movies such as Trenchcoat. They did the movie everyone says is one of Disney's best movies from this era something wicked this way comes based on the ray bradbury story now something wicked this way comes i think it's weird we've never seen the full version As good as this movie is, and I love this movie, Cecil, so I'm not complaining. The director nearly took his name off of it when it was forcibly re-edited by Walker, ironically enough, when the film was taken away from him after test screenings found it too scary and too confusing.
1: It is a scary movie. I didn't think that it was confusing, but, um... Well, you
0: gotta remember, it was confusing with the extra 20 minutes that got cut out, so maybe it was added subplots, I don't know.
1: Uh, it's also because a lot of test audiences are dumb. You know, there were people who I, I'm sure I've mentioned this on here before, but there were people that didn't understand why John Travolta was alive at the end of Pulp Fiction. And it's, it's like, oh, you people are dumb. So yeah, I think that that goes up in the air. I mean, it's it's a shame because uh, I do think the visually the movie is stunning. It is uh, Alan Rickman is so creepy. It's just a Alan Rickman wasn't Alan Rickman? Are you talking about Jonathan Price as Mister Dark? Was I thinking? Am I mixing up my guys? I've always I haven't seen it in quite a while. So in my head it was Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman's not in this movie. Yeah, I'm a f***ing dummy. <laughs> in my head, I have not seen this movie in 20 plus years, but it's stuck with me. And it, in my head, uh, it was Alan Rickman but it's Jonathan Price.
0: And, and and see here here's where this movie had a lot of pre-production problems. For instance, Sam Peckinpah and Steven Spielberg were both offered the movie and turned it down for various reasons and I think they could see that that Walker was in trying to interfere with the movie. For instance, as dead on perfect as Jonathan Price is as Mr. Dark, the original idea was to have Christopher Lee in the role. Walker shot it down as Christopher Lee's a has-been. Ooh. He wanted to cast Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole wouldn't have been necessarily bad, but Peter O'Toole was kind of a drunk at this time and was famous for every movie he was involved with showing up completely liquored to the walls, which maybe that's because, hey, Peter O'Toole's a big name. Maybe that's why Walker wanted him. Or it could have been... No, I'm trying to sabotage the film because I know Peter O'Toole is going to be drunk and is going to screw this movie up. Walker was, of course, against this movie the whole time because it was too dark and doesn't feel like a Disney film
1: damn shame because man it is it is something else. If, if i remember correctly didn't siskel and ebert like they they were one of the cr- critics that had a problem with this
0: roger ebert of the chicago sun times gave the film three and a half stars actually ah. and said quote it's one of the few literary adaptations i've seen in which the film not only captures the mood and tone of the novel but also the novel's style bradbury's prose is a strange hybrid of craftsmanship and ly- and lyricism He builds his stories and novels in a straightforward way with strong plot, plotting, but his sentences owe more to Thomas Wolfe than to the pulp tradition, and the lyrics in the lyricism isn't missed in this movie. In its descriptions of autumn days and its heartfelt conversations between a father and son in the unabashed romanticism of its evil carnival and even in the perfect rhythm of its title, this is a horror movie with elegance, unquote. So no, they liked it.
1: Uh, it's funny, I'm looking at the, the original poster, which is beautiful, where it's got Mr. Dark, like the painted one, where he's, he's standing there and he's holding his hands out, and there's the lens flare, and there's the, the, the kids running forward, and there's the carnival behind him, and the lightning, and it's just this amazing cover, and then I, I looked up the DVD cover, and Mr. Dark is way down at the bottom, there's like a, a, a Ferris wheel, and the two kids are like front center, like, like really blown up, because, and then a big, Walt Disney presents, uh, you know, because that was in 2004. so you know, gotta gotta make sure to push the kid angle, even though this is totally not a movie that children would would enjoy now, I don't think. This is definitely strangely a movie enough, for adults.
0: Strangely enough, the laser disc is just a shot of Pam Greer as the dust witch for the cover. Ah! <laughs> which, which you know, is not bad because, you know, she's freaking gorgeous in this movie. Yeah, she's the dust witch, but she's, come on, Pam Greer's gorgeous in this.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, the Pam Greer's great. I mean, but I just think that it's uh, it just kind of, it's, it's, number one, I hate when they take something like that where they'll take a beautiful hand-painted cover and then just make this
0: ass- dark angel the ascent
1: oh why why i want to know because the thing is when i got the blue i think that was something maybe with with paramount or whatever because when i got the the blu-ray uh it has the restored cover on it it doesn't have that really terrible cover
0: that thing that looked like it was made in photoshop in five minutes
1: yeah i i don't know what happened there i should i'll i'm might ask them about that at some point but uh yeah what like why who who what what jerk off owned the rights that decided to to release it and uh you know change the cover or or who knows it just was so bad
0: well, and then, of course, something wicked this way comes. Underperformed. What a shock, right? I'm going to rephrase that. Something wicked this way comes was a f***ing bomb. $19 million budget, $8 million box office. It just, we're, we're continuing this tradition. Disney cannot make anything work. And then they release a movie called Never Cry Wolf, which is based on a true story about a conservationist trying to save wolves with Charles Martin Smith. Nobody went. And then they come to the last two films of this Era, which were the nail in miller's coffin return to oz and the black cauldron return to oz I understand why, I think Return to Oz is a fantastic film, but in 1985, I can see why how everybody who loved Wizard of Oz and has never read the books would hate Return to Oz and why that was seen as a betrayal, where actually it's much closer to the books than the beloved Wizard of Oz is.
1: Return to Oz is freaking dark. I remember it being dark, but I don't really remember that much beyond of it.
0: Critics actually hated it. It was loathed at the box office for having the audacity to make this dark, adult-oriented... Yes, it's still aimed at kids, but more adult-oriented sequel to the beloved Wizard of Oz. How dare you do this? Uh, Yeah, they dared, and now it's seen as a cult classic, but that doesn't help Disney then. And then there's the movie... That almost bankrupted the entire studio. The Black Cauldron. At the time, the most expensive animated film ever. Now put this in 1985 dollars, although the movie started production in 1980, so we can maybe say 1980 dollars. 44 million dollars in 1980 dollars for an animated film.
1: It, you know what though? Most live action films had half that budget, man. It, it looks it, cause it is a stunning film. But yeah, I mean that's that just oof that they they took a risk and it did not play out. And it's a shame because more people know Frozen than uh, than that and that's uh, ugh.
0: But the thing with the Black Cauldron was this was more of Walker's interference. We've never seen the real movie. He cut Almost 40 minutes out of this film, before the, before it was finished and being animated. The film, okay, let's talk about just the film that was released to theaters. I understand why critics and, and viewers hated it. It doesn't make much sense. The film is all over the place. The characters make illogical leaps of logic. The, the film is a mess. It's a gorgeous mess, but it is a mess. And that's part of the problem. The film was completely incoherent. And to add to that, bring in the fact that the author of the book says he doesn't recognize a single thing from his book in that movie. The movie cost so much money, Disney still didn't think it was in a releasable state, but they'd spent so many, so many millions of dollars on it, they had to release it just to make something. And this was basically the end of Miller at Disney. His whole idea of an adult oriented disney failed and failed hard then after that they released a couple more you know the journey of Nettie gan traditional disney film one magic christmas traditional Disney film, and then the film that saved the company, The Great Mouse Detective, in 1986. These were all when Walker took back over. By your definition of failing upwards, Walker made all the right moves, even if he was a sleazebag for being a saboteur. But I still think Miller deserves a lot of credit here, Cecil, for really trying to break with tradition and putting out a lot of quality product that years after the fact would finally be accepted. It's weird to think, under miller disney almost went under
1: well i'm i'm not saying that you know he should that miller uh, you know should get the the credit and and should i am just like it it sucks because like yes you know he made the right decisions but they were like the it, it all depends on whether or not he did i mean i could very well see somebody trying to sabotage to take over but it it always strikes me as odd that uh, they'd be willing to like what if The company actually went out of business. Then it's like, all right, well now you just, you just sabotaged, you blew everything up, you know, but there are some people who will blow everything up if they can't have it. So I could see uh, some dirty business going on with that. So. In the case of they, you know, he did end up making the right decisions, but not the risky ones. It's a shame that we will never know how it really turned out, because uh, if he was really sabotaging things, there's a possibility that uh, we may have ended up with a completely different Disney. But
0: what do you think looking back at Disney from this era? Now, obviously, I'm asking you through adult eyes. You go back and you look at Disney in this era. Do you see Disney or do you see not Disney? Because that that's one of the things that people go back and look at this and they're like, while a lot of these films were good, none of these movies were Disney movies. That Miller should have taken these to what, like you pointed out earlier, should have been like a subsidiary company, which, as I pointed out, didn't exist. Do you think that these are Disney films or that these are films that just happened to be released by Disney?
1: They are Disney movies that are not, you know, that aren't your standard Disney film. They, because, you know, they don't have, they don't have, like, the whimsy behind them that uh, some of the stuff is. But then, I mean, it, it could be argued that Frozen doesn't have whimsy. Uh I would say uh, Tangled has whimsy in it. The, like, the, the... Pixar movies have like whimsy to them but then there are some that don't really you know they don't really feel like that so i don't know i guess it's it's kind of a mixed bag and i think uh, it's just coming from a different era cuz if you go back and you look at uh if you go back and look at old Mickey Mouse cartoons, there are a lot of them that are, I mean, Mickey Mouse was trying to kill himself when, uh, when Daisy left, uh, no, not Daisy, that's the duck. Um, uh, Minnie, when, when Minnie went to leave. Him. I was going to say, was he, was, was she cheating on Donald? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, well, no wonder Donald's so angry. So I think that, uh, Disney has kind of been a, uh, a mishmash of, uh, of different things over the years. And it's just kind of become, uh, the general consensus that Disney was like kid-friendly but then uh a lot of their stuff now uh, if you look at at the marvel movies and whatnot they're i mean you know kids go to see them because kids are different today than they were back then but really they're not kid movies
0: well and i think looking back at this. Miller had the right idea because I think he was right. In the post Star Wars post Jaws era you couldn't keep making the unidentified flying oddball and Herbie goes to Monte Carlo and the Apple Dumpling Gang movies. Nobody was going to go see these. I mean these are fine for TV movies. Like if if these kind of things have been made for the Disney Channel, fine. As 10 to 15 million dollar theatrical films in a post Jaws post Star Wars world, the were never going to fly as much as miller might have failed as a as as a ceo of disney in a financial sense in in about these eight years at the same time i think if walker had gotten his way they would have failed too i think disney was in a no-win situation right here in the post-Jaws, post jaws post post star wars era they had to change Walker didn't want to change, and I think he would have gotten bitch slapped at the box office too, because I think what he wanted to remain as Disney, it might have made Disney fans happy, but it would not have made the box office happy. I don't think stuff like Unidentified Flying Goofball would have worked in 1981. Do do you see what I'm saying? How Disney was kind of in a no-win situation. They had to change, but even if they did, they they were damned if they did, and they were damned if they don't.
1: Yeah, it was a weird time. Uh just it was one of those transition periods. You had to figure out what was going to work and nobody really knew. Uh every now and then something like that'll happen. A big uh big movie comes along and it completely changes the way that everything uh you know, everything's made. And uh you either have something some that will adapt, some that will try to rip off and others that will figure things out and will be able to keep going. So um same thing with television, same thing with uh just entertainment in general. There's always going to be some huge breakout hit that changes the game.
0: And I, I just think Disney was unprepared. And I think the fact that they didn't see any potential in Star Wars, that when Star Wars was offered to them, they were like, this is never going to work at which, you know, I, we can't lay plain, the blame solely on Disney because remember that was offered to every studio in Hollywood. Fox was the only one who begrudgingly decided to accept Star Wars. So Well, you know, the story,
1: the story behind that, one of the reasons why Star Wars ended up the way that it was, was because Disney, or I'm sorry, Disney, Fox had dumped all of their money into Damnation Alley. Damnation Alley was going to be the big hit. And then there was this little crappy Star Wars movie that they had off to the side that nobody was paying attention to. So the thing is, they got away with a lot on Star Wars. It wasn't micromanaged to death because they were paying attention to Damnation Alley. And for lack of a better um, descriptor, they were the producers that were paying attention to Damnation Alley were f***ing things up over there. So that's kind of why like Damnation Alley went so over budget because you had producers that were micromanaging things and were paying attention to that. Had there have not have been Damnation Alley, if they had been paying attention to Star Wars, there would have been a lot of changes, and it's quite frank, uh, quite possibly, it might have ended up differently. And also, they need to thank their lucky stars every day because Damnation Alley was such a flop that had Star Wars not have been as successful as they were, they would have gone out of business.
0: Let's let's look at this. Let's go back to the what if machine. What if Disney had not said no to Star Wars? Do you think Star Wars... Cause it, it technically wouldn't have been the same movie because, you know, Disney does micromanage. So they would have micromanaged Star Wars to a degree. Do you think Star Wars would work if Disney had made it in 77?
1: Uh, that's so, like so much of a what if like you don't know i mean there's so many different factors that work into that we don't know who would have been involved we don't know uh how much they would have micromanaged how much control they would have tried to wrestle from lucas at the time it's it's there's too many factors so uh, who knows how it would have turned out Uh, i don't know and it's it is there there is some sort of it would just be awesome if there was such a machine where like from Futurama where you could look in and see the potential of like well what would Are have you implying
0: happened? I are you implying I do not have a thing longer?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it would be amazing if uh, if we could look in and see like uh how how it would have played out differently i would i would absolutely uh love to know what would have happened but there's so many factors who knows what we would have ended up with so
0: what are your final thoughts on what is considered the disney dark period should people check these movies out or do you think strangely enough one of the things i've encountered is when i try to recommend watcher in the woods or dragon slayer or anything now disney is you know in the pop culture is known as so family friendly people are like these movies can't really be scary or anything because they're disney isn't it kind of funny how the times have changed that back then nobody wanted these movies because they didn't feel like disney and now they have the stigma of oh they're disney movies from that era
1: yeah well you know time changes the perspective on things people don't know uh uh, i think if they were to maybe re-release them and shrink the Disney logo on them, people might be uh, a little more surprised because God, if you're going to, if you're going to open it up with the, the Mickey mouse, you know, uh Disneyland and then, da, 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 and then you'll know, come out with something dark, like something this way comes uh, or something wicked this way comes. It, people aren't going to be uh, expecting that kind of thing. They'll, they'll sit there three year old in front of it and then wonder why the kid's shitting himself. I think uh absolutely if you have not seen them. You should, there are some incredible films from that era. Uh, there's Again, something w- that wicked this way comes. Tron, uh, the cat from outer space, um, movies that Dragon Slayer. Oh God. Dra- yeah. Dragon. I was trying to think. I'm like, what am I forgetting? Dragon Slayer, like that are very high production, very good, uh, looking movies that, uh, are outside. Black hole, the black hole movies that just are. Completely different from any aspect of Disney that you would expect. Dare I say that the black hole and something this wicked this way comes are darker than a lot of later, you know, up to current disney pg-13 films
0: oh without a doubt but the one thing i will warn everybody on anyone who did not grow up in this era who might not have seen watcher in the woods or movies like this if you go and watch the trailers on youtube don't let that dissuade you remember what i said walker was actively trying to undercut these (laughs) films the the films of this era have some of the worst movie trailers i have ever seen so don't let a horrible trailer dissuade you from checking out some honestly cool films from this era of Disney. Agreed. So on that note, where can people find Cecil?
1: You can find me over at uh, goodbadflix.com, as well as Good Bad Flicks on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com.
0: You can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, help out with the Patreon. Come on. If you're a listener, kick in a buck. I don't think it's e-begging to say, we put out the show for free. I really need some new equipment, and I need a new mic and a new headset. So and try to be a cut above keep one foot in the gutter one fist in the gold have a good night
1: ship hit its Plymouth rock Seemed to bring a nation into radiation shock All that was righteous and all
0: that was good Get up on your believe, put up the golden arches
1: and take away the trees, Need some ashes and ransom mayonnaise, put everybody out the pasture let the people graze, make them all submissive and take away the drive, make a sign of a crucifix for the burgers, shakes and fries, can you see, McDonald's is the
0: enemy.
1: See, See.